This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Ko Mikaela Naimen toko ingoa. My name is Mikaela Naimen and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. And today I'm delighted to have two amazing stone carvers in the studio, uh, Renate Verbrugge and uh, Jocelyn Pratt, who are both participating in this year's Stone Symposium. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Thank you. So lovely to see you. Um, today, I might say, um, the rain is pouring down <laughs> outside. <laughs> so maybe there's not so much action on the foreshore, but... Mm. Not today, no. <laughs> <laughs> So you both are really, you have participated in uh, the Teku Penga Stone Symposium pretty much since uh, the beginning. Yeah, I've been uh, involved since 2000. Um, Teku Penga started actually under the Taranaki um, Pacifica, which was a different festival. And then in I think in 98 they started Teku Penga. So yeah, almost from the beginning. Mm, wow. And my first symposium, I think, was in 2002 here in yeah. Taranaki. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so tell us a bit about yourself. I mean, you both are pretty amazing and do lots of work, but for someone who doesn't know you, um, could you tell us a bit about yourself, Renate? Um, so I'm originally from Belgium, moved to New Zealand, New Plymouth straight away in 95, and in Ninety nine, I um, met Philippe Tohi, who was uh, he, who is a, st- a really good artist and uh, was a stone sculptor here. Mm. And so he was participating in Tekupenga and he did one course of one week, and I got hooked. Oh. Just um, <laughs> yeah, did a course, uh, started as a hobby, then it became a real passion, and now it's a job. It's still a passion, but uh, it's my job. I'm glad mm. it's still a passion. Though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you wouldn't do it if it wasn't a passion. No. <laughs> what about you, Jocelyn? Um, I started sculpting in the Waikato. I'm from the Waikato. And I started with Hinuera stone, which is a softer stone. Um, it's an ignobrite, so a sandstone, so it's not as hard or durable as Taranaki andesite. Um, so I was sculpting for about five years before I came down and also did a weekend course um, to get to learn the stone um, before I did a symposium in 2002. So when you say learn the stone, what, what um, is it to get a feel for it? or um, yeah, To get the feel for it, um, working hard stone is different than working soft stone. Um, so the technique, um, also I originally worked with hand tools only, so to work with power tools was 
um, learning, the safety, but also the technique. Mm, I was just going to ask about that actually, because anyone who has been past uh, the foreshore the past few days, there has been a bit of noise and dust as people have started carving their stones. So you both use power tools and hand tools, or only power tools these days? No, power tools and hand tools. Um, I still like uh, a hammer and chisel. Many sculptors here don't. They use pneumatic hammers, but I like hammer and chisel, so I like handwork too. But it's a very short time, and andesite is a hard stone, so you do need the power tools to um, to mm. get there. Mm. And you are firmly now on the power tool side, Jocelyn? Uh, power tools, but I also use a hammer and chisel as well. I, um, I only use air tools for texture and mm. polish. Um, and I prefer, I really like the blocking out, which is using power tools and then going to hammer and chisel as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Because I really love the way both of you actually have um, parts where you see the natural stone or the uh, uh, unpolished parts. And then you have the polish and it just um, yeah, really invites you to touch. Mm. Mm. For me, sculpture is really, um, does invite to touch. Um, it's not a painting. It's, um, yeah, and stone. I don't know, there's something about stone that invites you to touch. A lot of people um, polish the stone highly as well. Mine is usually not highly polished. I like the satiny feel of the stone more. So, um, but yeah, touch is very important. I even have people, blind people visiting the studio I've been, uh, now and then because it's for them it's a way to discover art yeah. is being able to touch, um, touch yeah. the stone. Feel yeah. the volume of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. And uh, I might uh, add for, and New Plymouth uh, listeners, we would all, all have seen Renata's work, the mother and daughters on the um, sea front, and I always go and have to sit there between them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Finland, so you know this kind of the naked women in the sauna feeling. I sit there and <laughs> have a bit of a home longing. <laughs> oh, that's great, that's great. <laughs> and uh, Jocelyn, you have beautiful leaves, which kind of... It's really interesting that you have done nature things that seem fragile and light, and you make them out of really heavy stone. Yeah, I, um, I a lot of my work is inspired by nature or what's happening around me at the time. And um, I've started my piece now, but it's still evolving, so I'm not quite sure how it's going to end up at this stage. So better make up my mind by tomorrow. <laughs> it's pretty important. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, a lot of my work is inspired by nature, and although stone is a very heavy material, um, particularly with Taranaki andesite, using the um, not only the form but also textural polish, um, you can enhance the stone um, to something quite different. So in polishing the Taranaki andesite, you can get a change of colour. So oh. bringing a high polish. Um, if you do a very high polish, you'll get a shine, but in changing the um, the colour of the stone as you polish up, you'll get a, a, a change of colour as well. So you can do a contrast in colour through the polish or also by um, texture. How do you know what colour the stone is? Ah, you learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you learn. I, I've got a really nice brownie, pinky stone. Um, I've been coming to Taranaki for a long time, so I saw that stone and chose it. Chose it because of the form and also the colour. Oh, mm. and this is for this year's sculpture that you're doing right now. Oh, how cool. Um, so, yeah, we're getting into the trade secrets, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. take a break and listen to some music. And... Um,
This is actually um, Juliet McLean's first recording uh, from this place, from the dance, which was a bit of a community project um, a few years ago. It was recorded and co-produced with Dave um, Carnahan out of New Plymouth King Street Studios and features mainly local musicians as well as beautiful cover work um, by her father, the artist uh, John McLean. And John and Juliet are great friend of ours. So, oh, um, great. <laughs> From this place, let's call it loneliness. I'll take a picture of you. And put it somewhere, hold it in my mind. Just long enough to know.
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugar Loafing Artscast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. Thanks to the Govette Brewster Art Gallery and Len Life Center for sponsoring this show. Today I'm delighted to have two amazing stone carvers in the studio, Renate Februgge and Jocelyn Pratt, who have um, taken some time out on a ve- very rainy morning uh, because they are on the foreshore working on this year's sculptures for the Kupenga Stone Sculpture Symposium. And uh, as we know, there's a deadline to this. So Jocelyn was just saying that she has to decide what it's going to be by tomorrow. So I'm getting very intrigued here. Could you talk a bit about the design process then? How do you choose your stone blocks and how do you choose what it's going to be? Uh, Every artist is different, the way they work and the way they choose their stone. And I like to choose uh, a stone that... Um, that I don't have to remove too much material. Um, I like to keep, I, I guess, the integrity of the stone and the work that I do. So I have a a general concept of what I'm doing, but because um, working in stone is a, a very lengthy process, is many, many hours, um, for me, um, working with the stone, um, the, the, the piece will evolve for me. So I work quite differently. Um, if it's finished before I start, then it's already done for me. So my work, I, I like to evolve along the way. Um, in some overseas symposium where you have a marquette, for me, that that is quite different because the work is already completed and then, then it's a repeat of the process. So um, I enjoy the freedom to be able to um, um, design and kind of a change as I as I work. Mm. Obviously, not too much. Um, more refining, I guess, probably than total design. Mm. So you allow yourself to be a bit more experimental and take risks here than you would overseas, or yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Overseas, very often the selection is done on project, so you have to send maquettes or photos of a project. Oh, really? So and they select um, what so they want you, to see. So you just yeah, so you just have to execute what you have already designed before. So it's only a technical thing. So really, the creative side is gone already. Um, whereas here, because of the um, also the shape of the stone, so overseas most symposiums work with square blocks. So you can make anything out of the square block here because the boulders are all different sizes and different shapes. Um, you kind of have more freedom to create on the moment, in and the moment. And also, I can just assume that that also throws spanners in the works sometimes. It does. Yeah, you you get um, <laughs> fractures and all sorts, but that's part of the um, fun and frustration. Yeah. Both at the same time. So what do you do if you have chosen something that doesn't want to... Because both of you, interestingly, work in really hard stone, as Jocelyn mentioned. So this is not Omaru limestone. It's actually hard work. What happens if um, it doesn't want to do what you had envisaged? And you oh, only have just, 21 days. We just make it do what we want to <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. In the end, um, if there is a fracture or... For me personally, if the fracture doesn't compromise the final product, um, I don't mind. But if it compromises, like if it is in a spot where it could fall off, then of course you change your um, design. Um, Some sculptors will cut out every um, fracture, but then you could end up with a pebble pebble instead of a stone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about um, unwanted uh, things happening when you are sculpting? Jocelyn? Uh, sometimes it, it's a change of design. For example, if you find a big hole or a very soft 
um, or an inclusion that um, you may enhance your work by using that inclusion or you might remove it. So um, working on a large scale, you have room to move and to change design a, a little bit. One of the sculptors is um, extremely lucky down there who... Donald. Donald, yeah, Donald Buglass. He has a, a really large inclusion in his stone and he's um, made a feature of that so oh. um, people can go down and have a look at that. So that's pretty interesting, yeah. the largest inclusion I've seen and he's really um, enhanced um, that wow. as a feature in his yeah. um, sculpture. Very clever. Very, is, very clever and very cool. That is so cool, mm. yeah. Uh, we have to go down and have a look at that later. But uh, I guess that is, um, yeah, your artistic choice then. And if you were, say, working towards what you described, Renate, overseas, that you already have the design and everything, uh, that would be a real, you know, you, what would you do? Because it changes everything if you suddenly have to... If it's in the beginning of the of the symposium, I had one symposium in France where they actually had to change the stone. There were so many fractures, and my I could not do the project that I had sent them. So I, I asked them, or I change the project, or you change the stone, and they change the stone. So that happens, and otherwise they will give you the freedom. Sometimes give you the freedom to change a project. In the end, the stone always wins. Um, a lot of male sculptors say they battle the stone. I think we dance the stone. Oh, um, we dance with the stone, and it's yeah. yeah. So quite often, because it's such a physical work, quite often we will have little um, <laughs> wounds on our hands because cuts and all that. And male sculptors will say they are battle scars. I think they love bites. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Especially given all those voluptuous women you are working with, <laughs> Renate. It seems very apt that you would dance around them. And um, some of those sculptures also in the past, I recall defied really gravity. There was a woman who was uh, lifting herself up. Oh, and there yes. was one on the swing. Yes, indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like giving some lightness to a heavy, and usually my girls are quite heavy as well. Yeah. I don't make stick figures. No. So, um, I like giving a lightness and, and also fun. I like when people smile when they see my work. Um, just a yeah, feel-good factor is very important in my work as well. Yeah. Mm. And um, Jocelyn, one of your previous works is down here at one of the playgrounds down by Tehanui. Uh, that's a leaf, isn't it? Yeah, that was um, that was inspired by walking down to the site every day, walking down the hill with my tools, and um, because I had a, a, a quite a red stone, um, it was a Pahutakawa leaf, and the way that the leaves were curling in the summer sun, um, like really being burnt and curling up on themselves, that was the um, concept for that piece, and um, took a lot of time to dig that out um, to yeah mm -hmm. yeah a, quite a big stone but to to make it hollow and to curl round and um, a member of the public bought that piece and donated it so it's great to have a public work here in New Plymouth mm, and it's right there by the Pohutakawas too mm. so it's kind of apt because those are the gorgeous big ones down by the playground okay we will take another uh, break for music and um, this one uh, is System Virtue, which um, originally was uh, composed by uh, and performed by Emma Paki, but uh, now performed by Sean Doherty in uh, last year's Kaupapa Anthems Live. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. Thanks to Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lenlice Center for sponsoring this show. And I'm talking with two of the Te Kupinga Stone Sculpture Symposium carvers, Renate Februgge and uh, Jocelyn Pratt, who are both uh, extremely experienced and their work is held in collections both in New Zealand and overseas. So it's a real privilege to be able to talk about the ins and outs of stone carving. Um, And uh, I've always feared that it would be really easy to get hooked on something like that. (laughs) So when did you make the leap from the hobby side or trying your hand to actually, you both work full time now as professionals. 
I do. Um, I don't at the moment. Um, I work part-time in another job and part-time sculpting, and um, which is a good balance for me at the moment. Um, I'm getting a little bit older. It's very hard on you know on my body doing um, doing this work. Um, so yeah, I have a mix, and which you know I really enjoy the opportunity to be at a symposium and to work with other sculptors, um, which is great. So I do a mix. But Renata is full time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when did you make the leap into full time then? Um, basically, when I divorced. <laughs> <laughs> no, I started before that. But as long as I had a husband who was um, who was supplying an income, it was easy. Um, but I was already working um, full time then as well. But then, yeah, then it was like, well, now I have to pay the bills as well. But um, I'm coping. Uh, not easy, but um, yeah. But it's still, uh, uh, I mean, for anyone who's um, starting out, that whole thing about uh, chasing commissions, actually being commissioned, delivering on the commission, getting the payment, it's a long lead in time. So it is a gamble when you start out. It is a gamble, but for me, it is a passion, but it is also a job. So I do six, at least six hours per day in the studio. Um, you have some artists that we that we both know that um, oh today I'm not inspired I'll just have one on the couch. Um, your bills don't get paid like that. No. So it really is a job. So you have to put in the hours. And I believe if you put in the hours, um, you can make a living of it. Um, we will probably never be rich, but life is so beautiful mm. with what we do. So mm. yeah. well, we are grateful because we get enriched seeing your work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And what about uh, you, Jocelyn? Did you ever have the, um, you know, thought that uh, you might want to do it full time, or has it been uh, always this uh, good to have a balance and feel the urge to get back to the stone? Mm-hmm. I have worked full time as an artist for for a few years, but I've always liked the mix. Mm. Um, it's quite solitary being a stone mm. sculptor, and I have in the past really liked to work with people as well. As uh, and that's why I like symposiums because you mm. get to work with other artists. Generally, you're at home in, in in your studio working on your own. So I've always liked the mix, um, and also like the security of a, of an income coming in. Um, I also like to create what I want to do rather than create for a market. Mm. For me, commissions are very difficult. Um, they take me twice as long. Um, it's a, a lot of work working with a client. Um, and yeah, I prefer to um, to make what I want to make. And um, if people buy it, they buy it. Um, yeah. So commissions. I, I, I have some clients down here have been waiting eight years but I promise <laughs> I promise it'll be done this year so yes some some commissions take a while but yeah. you've heard it yeah all good things take time all good things you take will, time you will get it <laughs> but that is so true but also um, I'm a writer so I know exactly what you mean about the solitary nature of things but also bums on seats mm-hmm. count and you have to just do it mm-hmm. um, whether you're inspired or not but you also need to get that inspiration from somewhere. So what is it that fills your cup? What, where do you find the inspiration and the, you know, the joy in what you do? Not just delivering the next similar thing, mm. but for me personally, the more I work, the more inspiration comes. It's really strange if I stop working because it happens when I'm overseas, where I don't work for two months, and then I kind of have a you call it writer's block, but sculptor's block, going, oh, what am I gonna do next? But if I stay in the 
what you call in the groove. It? In the groove, <laughs> let's call it that. Um, the inspiration keeps coming. So, um, and it's also what John McLean always says: just turn up, and the muse will come. So um, instead of saying, "Oh, I don't know what to do," just go get a stone, get a grinder, and start, and the muse will come. It will turn up. Hmm. And what about you, Jocelyn? Um, I generally have a concept. I generally have an idea uh, uh, around some something that I do want to make or what's happening around me at the time, and then that will evolve. Um, and if I turn up to a symposium like this and I'm not sure, I'll start working with the stone. I'll take the surface off and I'll look at the stone and look at the shape and then make a bit of a decision about where I'm going. So I have my basic form now, but I'm thinking about whether I'm going to do some twist or, or, or some different different um, concept. So, you know, I keep turning my stone and looking at it and we'll make those decisions as I go along. Mm. Very yeah. cool. So do you both keep something like a visual diary where you jot down things, especially when you are then overseas for a couple of months and you are not near your tools? Yeah, I do have um, sketchbooks. I'm a very bad drawer. I cannot draw to save my life, <laughs> but I can read my sketches. <laughs> so I have piles of sketchbooks, which I will never show to anyone. But um, yeah, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean I will use them, but the ideas, maybe two or three ideas together will create something else. And um, yeah, it's just keeping your mind um, on the job, basically, as mm. well. How do you translate that into 3D, then, if you are... Um, not, uh, you know, it's just my ignorance, thinking that you would need to be really good at drawing or maybe you computer generating something 3D or do you just see how it should look in stone? Um, it's really, it's a very strange thing <laughs> to explain. Uh, like I will cut one line and I see the finished product used. I kind of see every line in a 3D form already. Um, like I will block what we call blocking out, which is the first forming. And I see the finished sculpture. Other people will just see a block with a few cuts in it. They will not understand. It's it's a strange. Yeah, it's difficult to explain. Jocelyn, what do you think? Yeah, I think it is as well. Um, yes, I've never thought of the difference of 2D to 3D um, at all. And I I also very really draw. So I, and sometimes I never even draw on my stone. No, I'm the same. I've but, never yeah. drawn it. Um, other sculptors work differently, but I very really draw. I may put a line if I really want to focus where I'm working, but very really draw. Mm. I um to me the form is important. I mean sometimes I'll take photographs or so I'll see something that I think is very very beautiful and my that might be an idea for a sculpture I won't copy or recreate what I've seen um, an example of the last symposium um, because I have a very spoiled dog he um, gets he gets shin bones to eat and the the shape of the bone is very beautiful so um, last symposium I did um, what was kind of evolved from a shin bone so it's actually looking at the beauty of the form that we see every day mm. but maybe we don't notice yeah. so um, yeah I also find since I became a sculptor which is ages ago um, you see everything in around you in a sculptural mm. side you totally your view changes and you see beauty indeed where um, you wouldn't have seen it before like you walk in a forest and every branch is a sculpture uh, and you don't necessarily see that if you you're not a sculptor yet. Mm. Mm. Hyper vision, really. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. no, it sounds fantastic. I was um, also wondering if um, someone uh, um, is coming past. You all are wearing headphones, obviously, because it's so um, much noise and so on. Um, 
But is it silence you are listening to, or do you have some music in there, or podcasts, or? Personally, it's silence. I like hearing my machine. Um, I like, yeah. So it, I kind of am in my bubble when I'm working. Other sculptors have music going the whole time. So oh. uh, for me, it's silence. Yeah, mine is also silence. I never listen to music. And I don't even know at the end of the day what I've been thinking about. No. I, re- I really don't know. The day You can work for 10 hours, and I don't know what I've thought about. I mean, often um, it's instinct where you go, you know, where I work on, on the stone, but often I think... Did, what did I think about anything today? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a meditative, meditative state. Um, yeah, it's like meditation almost. You're so, so focused yeah. on yeah. just the present. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's addiction in the in the in sculpture <laughs> yes. as well. You're in this bubble, and yeah. Mm. All right. Well, we will take a short music break, and um, this time there might be some who know these guys, um, uh, Bastien Bourset and Alison Choquet. They compose alternative pop in France under the band name Poppies, and here's Too Good to Be Forgotten. We don't have something we're missing, we don't have this fear, but I try the hardest to be better than my own me. We're afraid to lose so many things, like a treasure deeply buried that keeps searching in unknowing what I'm looking for again and again all I'm missing all I'm missing is what can bring me colors I know it is too good to be forgotten it is Too good to be fucked up. 
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. Thanks to the Gavet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Nye Center for sponsoring this show. And today we have two of this year's the Kupenga Stone Sculpture Symposium carvers in the studio, Renate Verbrugge and Jocelyn Pratt, who have taken some time out from all the hard work on the foreshore to come in and talk to us about um, the art, the process, what you can do with stone and um, this year's Stone Sculpture Symposium, which, by the way, is uh, finishing on the um, 20th of January and then all the uh, beautiful sculptures will be available to view from the 22nd to 28th January on the New Plymouth foreshore and the sculptures will be auctioned off on Saturday the 28th of January at 1pm. So go and check it out. And you two have so much uh, experience between you and um, the work you do is also very different and at the same time you have the playfulness, the kind of uh, tactile sensuality about it, very different things. But you have also done abstract work. Mm-hmm. So how, yeah, well, tell me, talk a bit about the uh, abstract versus figurative, what it is that excites you. It's an abstract piece. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, only done, I've only done a couple of figurative works. That's giving you a gap to think about your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes um, I want to just follow a different avenue, just um, think differently. And uh, mo- a lot of my abstract work still has curves in it. Uh, like I've done, I've worked a lot with cubes, and a lot of the cubes mm. still have curves in it. But then sometimes we have, uh, I have triangles, which are very geometric and quite aggressive in their. Um, I don't know. I, I just do what comes up in my mind. Um, yeah. It's, uh, Does an abstract work need more explanation or can it just stand as it is? Like, do you think about the titles for your work so it gives you a hint what you were aiming for or mm, do you let it stand for itself? I let it stand for itself. For me, visual art is, um, is something that you see and appreciate mm. still. Um, but yeah, and sometimes the explanation comes later. You make something and then you kind of evolve the idea, um, the concept itself further. Oh, yes. I don't make actual conceptual art, so um, it stays visual art for me. What about you, Jocelyn? Yeah, the the titles, um, sometimes I have a title before I start. Other times it's really difficult. And for me, it's the viewer's experience, Mm. um, what they take from it rather than... Um, what I put into it because the title really um, it gives a direction to the thoughts of yes. the viewer as well which sometimes can be good sometimes not so good Absolutely. I think it's yeah I think it's good when people see their own vision of what you created mm. and uh, um, yeah it's really interesting how how um, the kind of, uh, you know, it can be very stylish, like you said, aggressive triangles. I love that. That's uh, really true, <laughs> pointy <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, ha- have you ever had someone come then and comment on your work before it was finished and that has made you change your mind? I mean, you, you are pretty brave to be out there showing everything from how to go right now on the foreshore, for example. But yeah. do you get influenced by people's? 
I have a few Thank people you. like Philippe Tohi, like um, John McLean, Jocelyn Pratt. I have a few artists with whom I have such a good, um, let's say, relationship that um, we will comment on each other's work and I will take it on board or not. Um, I think with Jocelyn, we've been friends for a long time. I can say <laughs> friends, I think. Um, we've been friends for a very long time and I will often ask you, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? In my own work when I'm working and then I'll take it on board or not. But uh, it's nice to have people like that where you can um, where you can actually exchange ideas and still do your own thing. Oh yes, and you know that it comes from a generous kind of uh, place. Yes, yeah. because there are also people that I would not trust their ideas from. Um, maybe because they want to um, make me make something bad who knows but um, no it is I think the relationship once it's really solid and and friendship then it's you know that the advice or the ideas come from the heart and Mm. um, for me it's very important and the reciprocity yeah. I guess as well that you yes yeah. yeah yes you do appreciate when when someone um, points out something that you may not have seen um, early in, in I guess my career in sculpting is sometimes you can become too close to a work mm. and um, and I used to take photographs because I'd see something different in the photograph um, than than what I'd see when you're kind of inside the work so standing back and seeing so having other people. Um, that you work with is is quite important. The general public, um, that's quite entertaining sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's quite entertaining. It's quite fun, and it's and it's also interesting. I appreciate comments, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Yesterday, and, someone thought I was making elephants. <laughs> Although sometimes the comment is when you're finished, what's it going to be when it's finished is quite interesting. (laughs) You guys are so diplomatic. (laughs) Yes, well... mm. I think that I think the interaction with the public is really important, and it is important. And yeah. and we're here in the public, and yeah. really enjoy that. But um, you know, we do need to work, and um, sometimes I take a break and talk to the public. Other times, you know, I just continue working. It's but I think for the public, a symposium is very interesting. You can see artwork anywhere, but seeing it evolve from the mm. raw material to the um, how it actually happens and what we use as tools. And we have people who come down every day to see the progress and mm. that's lovely that's mm. really really nice mm. so yeah um symposium sim in symposium stands for together so uh, it's a greek word so as jocelyn said before it is a very solitary job and then going out um working with other people having that exchange of ideas of technical also we see other tools and all that but also the togetherness with the public so they can actually see us work New Plymouth is very particular. It's one of the few symposiums all over the world that I've done where you have that much public coming to view your work. Very often you are in a place somewhere and you don't see anyone. You just work, but hardly any public turns up. But New Plymouth is, and every foreigner who comes and works um, in our symposium comments on that. There's so many people watching us. Mm. So it's fantastic. It's really good. That's lovely to Mm. hear. Mm. I think we don't appreciate that uh, quite, but I've always loved to see what things will end up being. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and you come by and you think that 
let's say, oh, this is going to be an elephant, and then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. quite uh, amazing. And the kids have always loved it. You know, all these things you are allowed to do as well. We are allowed to sit. You are allowed to put in your phone. You're allowed to order bone. The kids were commenting on that one too. You know, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, at the same time, you start appreciating all the work you guys put in. Mm. And it's also an entry, like for the children specifically. A lot of children, a lot not well, many parents don't take their children to um, to galleries because they're too loud or to this or to that. It's actually a threshold that you that you can get across going to a symposium, to an exhibition of a symposium, because it's art, but it's. You can touch it. You can play on it. Well, on it, <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> but um, but it is so kind of an entry into the art world for um, some children who might not go to art galleries. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's outside, and it has um, you know tools of all kinds, mm. and yeah, mm, that as well. Uh, mm. Very exciting. Well, I can't wait to see what uh, will emerge this year. So we are going to take a short break, and this is a Golden Bay singer-songwriter, Nick Faint, with um, Song for the Bad Guys from the album Next Exit from Babylon, released about two years ago, or one year ago, actually. When I was a boy, I used to play with plastic soldiers, green and grey. Grey's for bad and green's for good This I understood Cause the good guys are so squeaky clean You know they'd never do anything mean And all those folks they've blown to smithereens Should be grateful To be blown up for such a good cause And be on TV in those good guys' wars even if it's only in small parts And there'll be no grieving When the bad guys are leaving To that inferno down below Where everyone knows the bad guys go None of the bad guys' mums ever held them in their arms When they were babies And loved them like crazy No, that's just not how it goes And none of the bad guys' sons lost their fathers much too young And spent their lives dreaming of vengeance When they should be outside having fun in the sun and doesn't matter how many bad guys in inverted commas that you blow up with your great big bombers. It doesn't take a NASA rocket scientist to be knowing there can be no peace while the well of grief is full to overflowing. Tell me just what you expect to achieve While the body count keeps growing After all those years you're still Wondering why 
Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We're grateful to Covet Brewster Art Gallery and Landai Center for sponsoring the show. And uh, we are talking um, stone carving here of all kinds with um, Renate Februgge and Jocelyn Pratt, who are both participating in this year's De Kupinga Stone Sculpture Symposium. And we can't wait to see um, what will be revealed on the foreshore. Uh, you can see all the finished works between 22nd and 28th January. So uh, for anyone who's starting out to close here, what advice would you give to someone who comes by and thinks, oh, this looks really cool? Where do you start out if you think that you would like to give it a try? You join the Kupinger Stone Sculpture Society. Even if you don't know anything? Yes, so um, this, this symposium is actually organized by the Kupinger Stone Sculpture Society. It's a club of um, sculptors that have has been going for 25, 30 years. So we are based on Centennial Drive, just before Paritutu. Um, every first weekend of the month, we have what we call a club weekend. So um, people can just turn up and uh, our generous members will show you and actually give you a very short introduction into um, stone sculpture. Um, yeah, that's a way of starting. Um, watching and learning. That is well. uh, really important and that's why I enjoy um, symposia that, uh, and particularly working with international artists of not only their different tools but their different technique and their different training of the way that they work. So watching the way other people work, helping other people, um, you know, learning how to strop and lift stone, really important um, at a symposium of working um, collectively and supporting each other. Um, stone is a very heavy material and back in our studios we managed to move and turn pieces on our own but it's great to work with other people um, and have the, the support and to help each other out. It's great. Mm. And have you carved in other materials before you started with the stone, like bone or? I've started with wood. stone straight away. Um, yeah, I'm a real, yeah, 
addicted to stone, basically. <laughs> All stone, hard stone. I don't like soft stone. I like hard stone. But, um, yeah, I only do stone. What about you? Jess? Many, many, many moons ago. Um, <laughs> many moons ago, I, I, I did bone. I, I did um, for 12 months. I um, trained in bone sculpting and also did jewellery. Um, but I haven't touched that material. Um, then I moved to... Um, as I said, Hanuera stone, some Omaru stone, but um, yeah, my passion is hard stone, and my favourite stone is um, working in Taranaki andesite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. So what is the difference then between carving in bone to stone, apart from maybe size and hardness? <laughs> the, the scale, I mean, obviously the scale um, of the works. Um, the I, I enjoy the physical nature of working hard stone yeah. as well. Um, the of blocking out is my favourite part, but um, yeah, just being able to create something large is is um, for me is um, more satisfying. So blocking out is the beginning when you have the you know untouched block and you're just figuring out what it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the heaviest work really. It's with the big grinder, nine inch grinder. Mm. Um, yeah, it's the heaviest work, and it's the same for me. I like that as well. Swinging the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See it fall to pieces. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And um, is there anywhere to go then? Um, you know, to learn the trade. Do you become apprentice to someone? Can you go to um, do a course somewhere? Do you know? Uh, the club used to run courses. We don't for the moment, but if there is enough um, interest, we might run another course. Uh, it would be good to get some new members in the club, actually. Uh, yeah, approach one of the sculptors, local sculptors in your community, and see if they will teach you. Uh, not many do. The interesting part is in in New Zealand, it's you cannot really learn um, stone sculpture as a subject, let's say. Uh, so this time at the symposium, we have um, sculptors from one of Japan, Macedonia, um, Portugal, and Australia. The uh, Macedonia, Macedonian, J- Japanese, and yep. Portuguese have studied um, many, many years. So their technique is really totally different from ours because they start from scratch. Um, they have all worked in Carrara, which is the center of stone sculpture in the world. In marble. In marble, yeah. So um, they are technically probably much, how would I say, much more advanced than us um, so it's yeah for us it's also good to work with them we have done many symposiums overseas Jocelyn and me and as you said many moons ago we started so we have um, learned our technique but um, yeah it's just interesting to work with people who have mm. tradition like um, been taught traditionally how to how to work mm. marble would, it, would mm. they uh, ever offer you know like master classes or workshops in conjunction with the symposium has that happened in the past or not really um, it's a bit difficult time wise as well those people come just for the symposium they also pay for their own flights um, so and there is an auction at the end of the symposium so to also run classes would be a bit difficult mm, maybe mm. after maybe after yeah. mm. but but you can also learn by watching and absolutely looking, um, a watching technique watching the way um, people not only the way they cut but the, the way they stand um, the way they use their hammer and their chisel mm. Um, mm. yeah you can learn a lot by watching but also looking at people's tools as well yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. and also taking advice on board like when I started I still have about 10 things when I'm working that someone has taught me how to hold a hammer 
Um, in New Zealand, many people go straight to the pneumatic hammer. If you want to do a really big work, you need to know how to use a hammer and chisel properly. Um, and if you don't learn that, you cannot evolve. So I remember who told me how to hold a hammer. I remember who told me how to actually stand. So I have about 10 advices that I got over the years that actually make work so much easier. Mm. So it's also taking on the advice and not feeling offended when someone says, you are not doing this correctly because mm. you're learning. I'm still learning every day. Mm. Oh, yes. This is, this is for me, it's a learning, uh, learning process, the whole sculpture um, mm. world. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Um, and of course, for us who don't know the um, individual uh, sculptures, carvers down on the foreshore right now, um, wouldn't know necessarily who is trained in no. which way. No. So, yeah. Yeah, we would see it because we know what to look for, but the public wouldn't know the difference between someone, um, someone who just starts off and someone who's really, because they are they are really just swinging a grinder and swinging a hammer or swinging yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, swinging, <a> <laughs> swinging a hammer around so yeah i think the untrained eye wouldn't know the difference mm. but um yeah yeah so we can only um, encourage people to go down and look at the te Kupanga stone sculpture symposium on the foreshore of um, new plymouth uh, which ends uh, with a fantastic exhibition the 22nd to 28th of january and stand and look at your locals um, those who have come from afar and uh, just uh, watch them at work and see how their work uh, is yeah emerging out of that stone so thank you so much for all your generous uh, you know sharing of your passion and thank uh, you for having us yeah you are two amazing uh, stone carvers and sculptures so um looking forward to seeing what will emerge this year thank you thank, thank you, you Michaela. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman, and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests, and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Center. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.